The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. Sometimes our, our our mind, especially as there's a little more continuity in our practice, or just at times even when there's something what we might think of as more a little short burst of continuity, you know, maybe just we come into awareness, and then for those few seconds, uh, ten seconds, or even shorter at times the mind very naturally is quite present and it may be interested or attuned to this aspect of experience, this aspect of change. And there are times in formal meditation like this where we can um, kind of incline the mind towards investigating change. And this can be useful now, the Buddha really encouraged this um, this form of investigation. To his son, he said, cultivate the perception of impermanence. When you cultivate the perception of impermanence, the conceit I am will be, will dissipate. I can't remember exactly the word he used there. It will undermine the conceit I am. It will undermine the conceit of the sense of self to cultivate the perception of impermanence. It undermines clinging (laughs) to cultivate the perception of impermanence. Because as the mind really sees that whatever we're experiencing, the, the nature of our experience is at a very deep level impermanent. It begins to recognize We've been talking about how the meeting of experience helps the mind to let go. This is one of the ways, as the mind sees very deeply that that the experience is impermanent, the mind recognizes there isn't anything to cling to. The movement of clinging requires an attribution of permanence, even for a moment. When we are clinging, we are assuming something to have a permanence. And so the the seeing of impermanence begins to undermine the mind's kind of belief in that clinging as being useful. And what I would say is that the time to look or explore, investigate impermanence is not when we are clinging, the time to to begin to notice the changing nature of experience is probably not when we're clinging to something. At that point, what might be useful is noticing the clinging, the tightness, what's happening there, and potentially recognizing or bringing in a little wisdom that um, you know that the, the mind is attributing permanence to something that is impermanent. And maybe a a useful exploration when the mind is clinging is to check in or ask the question, you know, what what is being taken as solid? What seems solid here? What seems reliable here? What seems like it's worth clinging to here? You know, to, to, to be curious about that. To look at what the mind is doing there. You know, it's attribution of some kind of stability, some place to land, some place to say, yes, I'm going to take my stand here and say, yes, this is, what I'm, this is how I'm going to be happy. Hold on to this thing. So just know, know that that's happening. But it wouldn't be the time if you're noticing some kind of clinging or some strong reactivity may not be the time to say, to, to, to try to investigate the impermanence there. It could be a time to bring in that reflection as I mentioned 
in the, med- in the guided meditation to remind yourself, yes, this is impermanent. But that's not the investigation of impermanence. That's a kind of a wisdom reflection that may help the mind be a little more balanced and receptive to receiving whatever is here. So that's, there's a difference there in terms of, uh, you know, just r- reminding yourself this is, this is impermanent is more a bringing in of a, of a reflection than a direct seeing of impermanence in that moment. And I'd also like to just take a moment to speak a little bit about investigation because this attunement this morning to impermanence is a form of investigation. You know, it, the word investigation in our, in the way we use it conventionally, we often think of directing our um, kind of what, what we're looking at, what we're looking for. So it's, it's, it's kind of like a, a you know, uh, well, what's there and what's there and can I pull it apart and what's in the middle and how's it put together? So we're, we're kind of aiming towards figuring something out. That's what we think of as investigation sometimes. The kind of investigation, and, and that can happen at times in meditation practice. You know, I certainly have done a lot of that in meditation practice. Mostly I see in retrospect that form of investigation that I engaged in was connected with greed. Sometimes a subtle form of greed. A form of greed not, you know, just, just to, ooh, wanting to know, you know, kind of just this diving in, wanting to know. Um, so, so I've seen in my own practice that, that that form of investigation where I'm directing it, I'm kind of in charge, often does have a little bit of um, some kind of greed and it could be motivated by aversion as well if we're looking at something, investigating something in order to make it go away. Something difficult or unpleasant. Well, I'll look at this. I'll look at this until it goes away. Um, a, form of, a different form of investigation is more what I was speaking to. I don't remember what day. Um, is more the form of being a naturalist where you're not kind of in charge of trying to figure things out but more just receptive and letting things reveal themselves to you. This, this kind of investigation takes more patience in a way. So, so sitting in the middle of a forest and patiently seeing what animals do and how they engage as opposed to you know, cutting down a tree and trying to figure out how the tree is structured or something. So it's, it's, it's much more receptive. And so the, the form of practice that we're doing, this relax and receive, receive experience, the receiving is a form of investigation. Just that meeting of experience. As the mindfulness gets more continuous and we're more in contact the mind is investigating that experience. It's investigating whatever seems most kind of clear in that moment, whatever's most obvious. So that is a form of investigation. Doesn't need, there doesn't need to be anything more than that, just that receiving of experience. And then we can, at times, bring in a kind of an inclining towards a particular direction of investigation. At times it might be, you know, inclining towards, um, you know, so something is arising like, you know, frustration. And when the mind is balanced, what I would say is when we can be at ease with what's happening, so maybe frustrations arising and we can just know, oh, this is the experience of frustration. 
there's a way that that is a form of investigation, as I said, but we can also, in that, at that time, be, be curious about some other aspects of experience. And the way, um, a way we can explore investigation in this practice isn't so much to try to figure things out, but it's more like dropping in questions. So it might be, oh, this is the experience of frustration. Hmm. How does this affect the body? And then, so you just, you bring in the question. And then you just do your practice. You just keep receiving. The way Sayadaw describes it is, is the bringing in a question. So it's, like it, it's like an intention or it, it kind of shapes the mind in a way. Bringing in a question shapes the mind may spark some interest in the natural unfolding to begin to be curious about the experience of the body in relationship to that experience of frustration. And so we don't have to say, oh, where, it, where am I feeling it in the body and try to look for it. It might be that we can just drop in that question, oh, how does this frustration affect the body? And then just keep receiving, not choosing what to look at, but... It may be if the mind is in a place where it's um, fairly balanced, the mind may kind of more naturally then be, be, be inclined to look at the body. And so we don't have to do that. We consciously don't have to do that. So that... Uh, the, the, the form of investigation takes here. So another, you know, you could, how does this affect the body? What, what is this, what else is this connected with? Maybe, you know, what else is happening right now around this? Sometimes that's a, re- that's a really broad question that I find really useful. It's like, oh, this is happening. What else is happening with this? So that, that there's just this kind of broadening of curiosity Sometimes in that kind of exploration, we begin to see how that experience of whatever frustration or whatever it is, is connected to how attention is being uh, directed. So we, we begin to see like the connection between this experience and other experience. So we may start to see how that experience conditions other, other experience. Again, just this, you know, receptive quality, but kind of just attuning to, oh, what else is happening here? So this is, this is how investigation works in this form of practice. We can use questions. Um, it's a delicate thing, because sometimes in using questions, you know, when we bring language into our mind in meditation it can kind of be a slippery slope to thinking. And what I would say is if that happens, let it go. Don't, don't go that way. It's the, the, the intention here is not for you to start thinking about this. So um, this, is, this is some of Sayadaw's suggestions about how to do investigation in this practice to use questions. But there are other ways to investigate uh, more wordless ways. Kind of more. <laughs> uh, uh, sometimes, and sometimes it can just simply be what I've discovered for myself, the most wordless way that investigation happens is that I simply receive experience and begin recognizing that kind of the mind gets interested in some part of the experience. Like, I'm not choosing to look at something, but, but maybe there's, there's something as the mind goes, huh? And start, it just gravitates to something. And so it, it, uh, it, the, the mind also can investigate. It's a function of mind, this investigation. It doesn't require I or me to do it. And so sometimes when we're receiving, and for me, what I've seen in this particular practice, the more I settle back and simply receive, the more the mind will naturally just be curious about what's here. And again, that is a form of investigation.
And so if using questions is not helpful, if it feels like you get into thought, you can just let it go. And don't, don't go there. So the question about, um, we've talked earlier about being able to recognize thinking happening when it's arising. And so um, um, when I spoke just a minute ago around the, uh, you know, if you're noticing that this is leading to thinking, to let it go. Is that just in this particular circumstance? So what I would say is that, um, yes, when thinking arises, the the encouragement is to be aware of it. Uh, if you're doing something like bringing a thought into the mind in order to explore things, and what happens then is the mind starts thinking about that, that's not so useful. That's creating a condition in the mind that is encouraging the mind to think, and we don't want to do that. So that's what I, that's what I meant there. Um, so it is in this, ki- this particular kind of circumstance, essentially. Or if you find that you know, thinking tends to be a place where you're not able to be mindful, then it's useful to also let it go. You know, if, if you find that the, the thinking connected per- perhaps with something strong, a strong emotion, is kind of reinforcing that emotion and you're just going down into the, the rabbit hole of that, that's not so useful. But, you know, if we can see, you know, thoughts arising, um, yeah, be aware of them. <laughs> Thanks for the question. So that's a great question, the question about um, realizing while you're practicing. And many of us have used a noting practice, you know, seeing kind of noting happening. Many of us have used a noting practice in the past where we're acknowledging, yep, okay, pain, vibration, hearing, whatever. And so there's, it, 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 we've, we've cultivated that practice in the past. Um, and so there's that, that could be, it could be what's happening there. That, that you're engaged in that old practice. But there's a couple of ways to play with this or a couple of things to explore. Um, now first of all, um, um, a good exploration is first, so you're noticing that this is happening. That's great. You know, so, so the mindfulness is aware, oh, the mind seems to be noting experience. So you're knowing that this is happening. Then uh, a useful exploration might be, well, is this something I'm intentionally doing? Am I engaged in this? Am I trying to note? Or is it just happening? So you could try to stop noting and see what happens. So let it go. See if you can let it go. If you can't let it go, then there's Two, two things that might be happening there, two different things. So, you know, sometimes we do actively engage in the noting practice. You know, we are bringing an intentionality to that. Sometimes I teach a mindfulness out loud practice where we actually name moment after moment, this is what I'm experiencing, this is what I'm experiencing, this is what I'm experiencing. And that's a very intentional, we're doing that. We could stop doing that and not speak out loud. And likewise, we, we can do that in our mind. You know, we can consciously be engaged with the noting. If you find in that recognition of, oh, the mind is noting, that you're consciously doing it, see if you can let it go. Or in any case, just see if it's something that, uh, you know, that you're consciously engaged in. Don't try to, like, you know, it's a, so... Um, Okay, so, so just see if you're consciously engaged. Then if you're, if you're not, if, if, you, if you say, oh, can I let that go? And then the next moment you, you hear the mind going, sound or <laughs> ache. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, I guess, I guess I can't stop this. So two different things might be happening there. One is that the habit of noting is strong, and that's just what's unfolding. You know, it's like, okay, you know, so just know in that case that the mind is, is, is noting experience. 
there, there can be that the meditation habits that we have when we sit down and relax, when we get into our meditation posture, very often we will find when we relax and start receiving experience, it's like we're in the conditions that we have cultivated a certain thing going on in the mind. And so the mind starts doing that, even if we're not trying to do it. This can actually be a great, um, a great, um, like, way to ease ourselves in our usual meditation practice. Because, um, you know, we're, we're often more engaged than we need to be. You know, that, that as we cultivate particular, like being with the breath, for example. You know, how many of you have noticed who do the breath meditation, you know, have noticed that at times the mind just naturally goes to the breath doing, doing this practice. You know, it's like, great. Just notice that it's knowing the breath in that moment and see how easeful it can be when you're not trying to know the breath. So, so it, can be, it can be lovely, a way to almost kind of back off on the efforting that we usually engage with, with our, with our familiar practice. We can see the mind has a momentum there. We can let that happen. And so you can just know that the mind is noting there. Just, oh, that's what the mind is doing. You don't have to pick it up and do it. And you don't have to stop doing it. Oh, this is what the mind is doing. So, so just know that. So first of all, check in. Can you stop? My guess is probably not. Often, the answer is probably not. Um, and so, so that's, that's one piece. Know that that's what the mind is doing. And then very useful to check your relationship to what's happening in that moment. So for myself, the meditation habits, so this is a little about meditation habits and it'll be a little bit more about noting in just a minute. Um, when I first started this practice with Saira Utejaniya, my main practice had been a broad body awareness. That's what I had cultivated, you know, just kind of whole body experience, just the, the energetic vibratory quality in the body. That's what I had really focused. You know, that's where that's where the mind had um, had gravitated towards. That's what the mind did a lot of in my meditation. And then when I relaxed and just received experience, that's what was being received. You know, that's what the mind had cultivated receiving in meditation. So that's where it went. And I reported this to Sayadaw. You know, I reported to Sayadaw that this was what was happening. And he said, well, this is a habit. You know, you need to consciously let your mind uh, open to, the, to what's happening in the mind as well. Because if we, just, if we just follow our habit there, you know, we'll never... So if I had just done that, I could have spent a long time in the practice just knowing body and never really getting familiar with the mind because... You know, the, the, the gravitation of the practice was just towards that, and that would just reinforce it more, to just relax and receive the body. What would happen is that that would cultivate the conditions for relaxing and receiving the body. And so he encouraged me to broaden the attention a little bit. And the way I did that, and what I suggest here in, in the, the meditation habits, is um, so when you're... What, what worked here for me was... Um, you know, noticing that this is what was going on in the body. And then what was my relationship to that? That in this particular case, that the relationship was a mental activity. Um, and so that helped my mind begin to learn about being with mental activity. But what, can, what happened there too was that I recognized as I was doing, it's like, okay, so I just settled down. It's like, let the mind do its thing came to the body. It's like, well, what's the relationship here? It was like the mind was really tranquil. I had not, I had not noticed that the mind was tranquil. And so this, again, it was a, it was a, it was a, a lovely thing to begin to recognize how the mind was relating to that practice. And so, you know, so if it feels like you're, that, that, that it's, this is just happening, something is just happening, a, a kind of a, um, meditation uh, habit is happening, what's the relationship to it? I mean, what's the relationship to the experience that's happening? This begins to broaden what you're attending to there. 
it brings in a little bit more breadth to the habit. In the habit, we're normally just like kind of kind of going on with what we've already known. Checking into the relationship broadens what we're noticing. So it could be, as what's the attitude here? What's the relationship? Or, and what else is happening? Something like that. So that's one side around this, if it's, if it's a meditation habit that's happening. The other side for this kind of experience in particular around noting is that as we settle in this form of meditation or in, in any form of meditation, we can start to notice this. Um, but in this form of meditation, a broad receptive quality, we begin to see more generally what the mind is doing. You know, it, uh, how it experiences things in a very general way. And one of the functions in our mind is this aspect of recognizing experience, the process of perception. And so when we're, you know, hearing, like train, you know, train arises in my mind. The word train arises in my mind. Or sometimes uh, an image of a train, in this case. And this is... um, not necessarily the noting practice. It is the natural function of the mind to recognize what's happening. And that happens in different ways. It can happen, basically, you know, the, it, it's, uh, the, this perceptual process is a, is a rudimentary form of thought, a, a kind of a, a rudimentary form of, of uh, thought that recognizes experience. And it can be experienced through any modality that we think, basically any sense modality. We can think in any any sense modality. We're probably most familiar with thinking in terms of words in our mind. Another common one is images. We see, you know, images in our mind. So we might hear a car drive by and have an image of a car or a motorcycle. We might see an image of a motorcycle in our mind. Um, or we might hear a crow caw and a picture of a crow will pop into our mind. This is also perception, the mind recognizing experience and identifying it with, the, with this process. You're not going to be able to stop this. You know, this, is, this is a functioning of the mind. It shifts and changes as the mind settles. The, the form of, or what the mind gets interested in perceiving shifts and changes as the mind gets quieter. And so it, it, it isn't, it, it won't always be that the mind, when it hears a crow, will think crow. It might, it might recognize the impermanent nature of that sound, just a kind of the arising and passing of it, and that may be what the perception is interested in. So it's not always that we'll, we'll experience, as we deepen in meditation, we'll not always experience perception in the same way. It's like different levels of perception happen. But in our more ordinary um, um, lives, in, in this form of, of retreat, probably the level of perception you'll be seeing is the more ordinary level of perception. And so, um, so that uh, could also be what's happening there. Is that the mind is just recognizing, oh, there's a pain happening. <laughs> um, so, so, you know, in your particular question, it might be the noting or it might be perception. And so in that case, just, you know, my guess is you're probably not going to be able to just turn it off, and we can't turn perception off. You know, the, the, how the mind is recognizing experience in this moment is how it's recognizing it. We can't say stop doing that. And so more what we get interested in is recognizing, oh, the mind is, is perceiving, the mind is recognizing things right now. This is how it's recognizing them. It's recognizing them through... Uh, this image or this word in the mind. So that's, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, there can be some clinging in there. <laughs> and. So yes, that can be wisdom and curiosity. And the mind can cling to anything. 
So, so it can, it, the, the, a way to be curious about that is, is this skillful? I think is, it's, and it's a, it's a kind of a, it's a gradual deepening of that. In most of our, um, you know, trajectory on the path, there's going to be some form of, am I doing this right? And that's okay. You know, it's okay that that's there. <laughs> you know, you're not, we're not going to be able to step into a pure non-self meditation just by hearing the teachings of, oh, be mindful. It's like, you know, th- there's going to be a self involved in it at the beginning. And, and uh, so, you know, just, just what I, I, I like to suggest is just recognize, does it feel like there's suffering connected with this curiosity or does it feel like it's more open and just interested so if it's got a kind of suffering with it that's useful to oh okay this suffering needs to be seen this needs to be known it's like am i meditating oh am i meditating that's probably not skillful if it's like huh is this meditation hmm i'm aware yep okay so it's got more to do with the quality of, of how we are with that experience. And um, you know, what I'd say is, you know, it, it, this is a, it's an interesting question, and it's a question that kind of comes back to us at various points along the way. You know, you don't get this once and for all, actually. It's kind of interesting. <laughs> yeah. You know, we, we start, and then it's like, oh, yeah, it's like, Okay, I'm aware. And, and that's actually the basic question we can check into is, am I aware? Do I know that I'm aware? That's a form of meditation if you simply know that you're aware. And then, you know, the checking the attitude is really important because the way or why we're aware, the how we're aware can affect. You know, so if we're aware in order to get rid of something or in order to get something and hold on to it. That's not necessarily a real helpful way to meditate. So, you know, checking into that attitude is really helpful. So am I aware this is the basic one and then checking into the relationship. And if it's a kind of a, if it feels like a form of wanting to, um, you know, know or, you know, again, checking into that, does it feel, you know, kind of expansive or does it feel tight? So it can be that simple. Um, and, you know, over time, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's interesting. I've had m- numerous times in meditation where it's like, you know, feeling like, yep, I'm aware, I know what's happening, I know what's going on. And then suddenly there's a shift. And it's like, wow, I don't know what I was doing before, but now this really feels like I'm meditating. And <laughs> it's like, oh, was I not meditating that? It's like, just let that go. It's, <laughs> it's, uh, there's, there, there's just, it's like stair-step deepening of kind of what we can see, what we can understand, what we can know. And then there's even a point in meditation where things feel so vague and so, uh, you know, it's like the, what's actually being revealed is the vagueness and the, and the like, really unreliable nature of experience and it's like how do I meditate here there's nothing to land on so anytime there's a sense of am I meditating you know you can just check in you know it's like am I aware is there awareness here you know at certain place another thing that happens sometimes um as in particular in this practice where we're learning about being aware of awareness from the get-go, <laughs> you know, from the beginning. Um, you know, all meditation practices do open to this at some point. But we're starting here, you know, we're starting from, am I aware? And uh, it's at different points in the practice, you know, what's obvious, you know, the next question, you know, so am I aware? And awareness does know something. You know, it's aware of something, maybe a sound, a body sensation, sight, whatever. It's, it's aware of something. But um, there are times when um, we settle back and it's like, am I aware? Yeah, I know I'm aware. I have no idea what's most obvious. 
You know, it's almost like the, the stuff that's happening, it feels like we're kind of surrounded by cotton balls or something, you know. It's like a, 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 their sensations, we hear things, we feel things, but it, we can tell that's not what the mind's really paying attention to. And so we don't really know at times, well, I know that I'm aware, but I don't know what the mind is paying attention to. If that's what's going on, you don't have to figure out what the mind is paying attention to. Just like settle back to, yep, I know I'm aware. Often in that kind of space where the mind is aware, but not so clear about what it's aware of, it's, it's, it might be moving into the kind of more diffuse experience rather than the specific experience of, oh, a particular sensation, a particular sound or sight. It might be more that the mind is interested in its own state, its state of calm or its state of tranquility or its state of concentration or a vast sense of space. It might, it might just be more interested in something not specific. And so we don't have to figure out what that is when it's the experiences, I know that I'm aware and I have no idea what I'm aware of, just know that. Could be recognized as just, yeah, I know I'm aware. You could also acknowledge, don't know. (laughs) Don't know what I'm aware of. And that's completely okay. You do not need to know what that awareness is aware of. And that kind of thing also happens at different stages of the practice in different ways. You know, initially it may be that we're not so familiar with the, with the broader experiences, you know, the state of calm or something like that. And, and then the mind gets familiar with those and it can, oh, what's happening now is the mind's aware of just kind of delight and calm. And, and the mind kind of begins to recognize these more diffuse experiences. But then when we move, we, we, we gain more um, a c- continuity. Like that, that, the more continuous the mindfulness is, the mind begins to be interested in subtler things. And, you know, this is a place in a way I particularly appreciate this form of practice where we're not directing the attention. Because when we're choosing to direct the attention we can only direct the attention to things we already know. And this practice, you know, it's kind of like, oh, well, I don't know what the mindfulness is paying attention to. Can I just, like, be patient in this space where I don't know and let it eventually reveal itself to me? This is a way that we begin to open to things that we are unfamiliar with, experiences, states that we don't already know. And so that, that this place of like, okay, yeah, I know that I'm aware and don't know. At first it may be um, kind of developing a sense of uh, okayness with not knowing because, uh, you know, initially, you know, this wanting to know, wanting to know what we're experiencing is a very deep human pattern. And so when we realize that we don't know sometimes, it's very uncomfortable. And so that's the relationship don't know what awareness is aware of. Oh, and that's uncomfortable. Okay, can you just know that? And sometimes it gets like, oh yeah, I don't know, and that seems fine. I know that I'm aware. I'm meditating. Seems good. (laughs) So the question around... um, you know, recom- you know, do I recommend doing both concentration practice and this more receptive open awareness practice? I have done both in my practice. Um, you know, I've done the kind of focused practice early on in my practice. Then I met this practice and, and kind of felt like, wow, you know, this is, this is my practice. Um, this is very natural for this mind. And then, you know, Six months later, there was this arising intention to do focused concentration practice again with this as a foundation. Um, and so, uh, you know, in my own practice, I've seen both the capacity to focus and allow the mind to be with one experience 
really helpful and this more receptive, broad experience. Again, a, a lot because this form of practice really does give us the uh, the freedom and the flexibility to kind of go with where the mind is gravitating and um, curiosity around letting things reveal themselves. So we, we really get to understand our minds very well and uh, can begin to get comfortable with not knowing what we're experiencing. Um, so for me, this was extremely supportive, this form of practice. But what I also found... Uh, when I went back to concentration practice after I had done this practice, it was a kind of a way that they uh, supported each other dynamically. Um, I actually found for myself that, uh, and this happened kind of over the course of a three and a half month um, concentration retreat, where I would do, you know, I'd start with just focus, focus, focus. And then at some point I would see, you know, the mind had gone into its old patterns around tightness and tension with focusing. And I would spend a day or two just, okay, I'm just going to go back to open awareness. Let the mind, like, let go of that habit of tight. And then I discovered when I shifted back to the concentration practice, it was like, oh, it's so easy. Oh, yeah, just the breath, no problem. And then after a few days of that, it would get all tight again, and I'd go back to open awareness. And, and so I did this kind of days of back and forth. And at some point in the, you know, recognizing, I don't know how many times I did this back and forth over days, but at some point in coming back and seeing just how easy it was after having had a few days of open awareness, I thought, why don't I just try starting every sitting with open awareness? And then begin to incline towards the focus. Because for me, and this is not true for everybody, for me, the mind can be more relaxed in this open awareness practice. And the relaxation, I'd say in all forms of practice, is where the mind needs to be. If we're focusing on an object like the breath, the mind needs to be relaxed while it's doing that. For some people, that relaxation while the mind is focusing is so easy. It's like, that's where it's like, oh, thank goodness, I don't have to pay attention to everything. It's like, oh, I can relax here. All I have to do is know the breath. And so for some people, that's the way into relaxation. And then at some point, it's useful when the mind is settled and relaxed, connected to experience, to kind of begin to open and maybe it's, wow, that's chaotic. Oh, let me come back and relax, relax. And then open, and it's like, oh, that's so chaotic. The mind gets really tense. Okay, come back. And then we learn how to stretch the relaxation into the, into the more open practice. In this practice, we're, we're kind of learning about what does it mean to be relaxed in the open style, and then maybe, you know, bringing that into something more focused. And so I encourage people to recognize where it's easiest to be relaxed and connected to experience. That's probably your main doorway. And then we learn to build bridges. It's like that everything, everything in the teachings connects to everything else. And so we can um, you know, learn, if, if we go in the doorway of focused concentration, we begin to learn what it means to expand that relaxation and ease with being with one experience to a relaxation and ease with a broader range of experience. Or the other way, if it's more easeful to be with um, just settling back and letting this flow happen, not controlling, just like, oh yeah, what a relief. I don't have to control things for once then that may be where to go in. And then learning how to bring that ease of mind into focus. Both functions of mind are useful in our, in our meditation and in the unfolding of our path. So a question about mindfulness and attention. And, you know... At the beginning in this practice, we're really just looking at what the mind is attending to, recognizing what it's attending to. But as the practice goes on, are we shaping that attention? 
my, I think what you mean is, are we shaping some, uh, a more skillful attention? Are we shaping the, the mind that will attend to things in a more skillful way? And what I would say is, this is what happens. This, uh, this is the direction the practice moves, not because we're consciously trying to shape the attention, but because the mind begins to understand that when it pays attention in certain ways, when it's motivated by aversion, for instance, that suffering results. And so it learns. That's not so helpful. It begins to let go of that and naturally shift and gravitate to things that are more helpful. That's the way this practice functions when um, we're just able to receive experience. And there are times when, as, as we've talked about, yeah, not able to just receive experience right now. The mind is overwhelmed. And so we shape attention there by choosing something more easy and more skillful to attend to. And so the, you know, we do also shape the attention in that way when we, we find that we can't attend skillfully to something. We choose something that's, that's more, more grounding. And that is also a shaping you know, a shaping of, yes, let that go, and, and maybe learning ways to let that go, you know, so the mind begins to recognize it doesn't have to be stuck to that thing, so that's a shaping. So the entirety of our mindfulness practice is a shaping of, skillful, uh, of skillfulness. And, uh, you know, the, the part of the question or part of the exploration might be, you know, am I doing this in, you know, consciously? Am I trying to shape wholesome qualities with a conscious intention as we do with, my, with metta practice? You know, we're shaping the wholesome quality of metta through bringing in those phrases, a more active form of cultivation of skillful attention. Um, or are we... Um, shaping this... The, I mean, one of the things we're doing with mindfulness practice just... At, at, at the base, whatever mindfulness practice we're doing, is that we're shaping and encouraging the skillful quality of mindfulness. And so that itself is an extremely wholesome quality when it's got the right view in it. If we're not paying attention in order for something, but it's just that, that kind of curiosity and interest. You know, we're shaping that wholesome, wise mindfulness. And so that's, you know, that's... Um, a very natural result of any form of meditation practice. And in this form of practice, the, that is the main skillful quality that we're actively shaping, is the a wise mindfulness. But then as we cultivate that wise mindfulness, wise mindfulness itself, because of that wisdom imbued with the the attention with, the, with what is happening, the wisdom impu- imbued with what's being received and known, um, the mind begins to recognize what's skillful and what's unskillful and naturally begins to let go of the unskillful and move towards the skillful. And so there's, you know, in, in, in all of our practices, we are shaping the skillful. It's more of a matter of how actively we're doing that, I'd say, yeah. As this retreat comes to an end, many of you will recognize and notice that the it might not be as obvious here um, you know, because there's a kind of a gradual deepening over the week. Um, but the structure of the week, of coming each day, of knowing you're coming each day, supports you to remember the practice. So just even showing up each day, this is why I require it, you know. Even showing up each day is a supportive condition for you to remember. Because it you'll, you'll be, it'll be kind of popping up in your mind. Oh, I'm going to go sit with the group tomorrow. Oh, am I aware? <laughs> what am I noticing? <laughs> so so it's, it's very supportive. The conditions of this retreat are very supportive for the cultivation of mindfulness. And these conditions are ending, just like with the residential retreat when the conditions end. The conditions for mindfulness shift, it's, it's harder. Um, and yet, hopefully, this 
uh, has given you a sense of the capacity your mind has for doing this in daily life. You know, that the possibility for what can be seen and, you know, the kind of learning that can happen. And so committing to yourself to, to continue, um, you know, the continuity of mindfulness is what allows this to be revealed. And so that's where the power is, this continuity and kind of this open curiosity. What's here? There's no magic bullet. It really is that, just that, that, that continuity of mindfulness. And so a commitment to that. And then you could, I mean, one practice that I did, um, you know, even before I learned about, way before I learned about Tejaniya's practice, uh, and this I teach in the other form of daily life practice retreat at times, is, um, you know, if there's something you're really interested in exploring in your daily life, connect to that intention. I want to see when the mind makes decisions and I want to understand what's going on around it. And, um, you know, just keep recommitting to that decision. You might, you might go through the whole day and realize, wow, I have not remembered once about that today. Don't just give it up at that point. Recommit to that. I'm curious about that. I'd, li- I'd really like to understand this. This seems so helpful to be able to understand this. And, and have it be non-judgmental that you've forgotten all day. You know, it's just like, yep, okay, that's conditions. Of course, of course the mind forgets. It gets engaged in other stuff. But I'm going to keep trying. And if it can be that gentle, that, yep, I'm just going to keep trying. What might happen is as you reinforce that intention, kind of like the remembering about coming to this group, can help to, um, you know, encourage mindfulness, is you're reinforcing that intention in your mind, it will naturally arise in your mind, oh, I've got this intention. And, um, and that will support, like, m- multiple times through the day, you might remember that you have that intention, maybe or maybe not connected with what's happening there. Um, but if you just keep reconnecting with that intention, you know, in terms of investigating something particular in daily life, reconnecting with the intention to look at it is probably the most powerful thing. And, you know, that kind of um, experience you're talking about is subtle enough that seeing the kind of micro decisions and how it affects the body and what's going on and what's skillful and what's not skillful, that's pretty subtle. And, you know, saying to yourself, I'm going to see that, I'm going to look at that, is probably going to get in the way of the seeing of it because the, you know, the energy or the effort to look at something like that can actually obscure what we're trying to see. And so it's more about the intention. And so just reconnect with that intention as much as you remember. And when you become aware, just notice what you're aware of. It's, it's so, it, that, I've seen this uh, be very beneficial and powerful in my own practice to just reconnect to that. Well, I just want to see when this happens. And then not try to do it, but just keep con- connecting to that intention. Something about that, this is what Sayadaw points to, is as, as we connect to that, I'd like to see that, the mind gets interested in it and starts to connect to to that.